0: Welcome again to another episode of Ego Check with the IDM. I am your host, Michael Mallon, and today we're doing something a little bit different. Today I have on the show Chris Benefield, who I have known for about 20 years now. Uh, We went to graduate school together back in 1998, and we are going to spend a good deal of time today talking about how we are both adult geeks and don't have enough time to do the things we want to do. Chris, welcome on. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So I first met you at University of Minnesota uh, when I was doing my master's degree. You were in the same program for uh, psychology, well, and since that time, we've gone in some, into some different paths. You, at that time, were working at the twin studies and doing research at the U of M on like, fraternal, identical twins. How did, How did that work exactly?
1: Yeah, so it was... Both, because, you know, that's, that's why psychology loves twins, is you can compare identical twins with the exact same genes to fraternal who don't, and then, of course, regular siblings. There was an adoption study going on there, too, for kind of the opposite uh, end of that spectrum, people that share no genetics with their, their parents or each other.
0: Cool. And then I went off to graduate school for my doctorate degree, then I ended up in Texas for a while, You've been in Minnesota this whole time. You're running your own business for a while. Yep. Um, for some time, I think, you still might actually be doing this, selling magic cards online and playing in match tournaments.
1: Yeah, I'd, I do, although in a very limited sense to the point that my customers probably get upset with me because it's it's my lowest priority and I'm – Back in grad school again right now, so have a lot of uh, balls in the air. But, yeah, I do still technically do both of those things as I'm able to. And one of the
0: things that we've historically argued about by telephone, and now that I'm back here in Minnesota over the last few years in person over a few beers, is who's the biggest nerd and which of our hobbies is more nerdy than the others? So you're certainly into Magic the Gathering, which I have not really played much before, Right, And I've tried to get you into playing D&D uh, and other tabletop games, which you've kind of scoffed at as well. <laughs>
1: <So>. <laughs> well, you know, I did play D&D, um, you know, way, way, way back, like, I don't know, fourth. Grade or so through maybe seventh grade, um, we were never super serious about it. I'm fairly sure that I, you know, cheated when I created my, my my best character. I don't think there's any way I actually rolled those stats. Um, Eighteens <laughs> across the board. <laughs> I think I, I I mixed in a few sixteens and seventeens. Oh, so good give, for you! Just give it more legitimacy. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, definite first like the beginner's edition, and and then uh, I don't know if it'd be considered first or second edition i know the books i had were not those original original covers but I, don't, I i don't know the DD stuff well enough to to know if it had been revised at that point or if that was still first edition but i,
0: I think this is kind of an important thing to maybe spend a few minutes on because someone like yourself i think is kind of in D's wheelhouse um, right you grew up playing nintendo games you're a huge lord of the rings fan you're into video games to, to anime all that stuff and right. yet you know, when I try to talk to you about D and D, or you know, have you join one of our sessions, it's just not something that is terribly appealing to you. Other things are more important. And what do you think it is about that that doesn't quite fit with your interest?
1: Well, I mean, I think number one, per our overarching theme here of time, as you get older, that's definitely part of it. Like, yeah. if I have unlimited time, I'm I'm open to kind of spending some time on anything that sort of crosses with my interests but um you know as you know when you get older you make decisions you know my biggest problem with D&D I think is really just is more of a me personally thing I don't think it's anything inherently wrong with the game which is that like I struggle to find that atmosphere where I can really sort of get out of I think some of this comes from like being in the psychology field, wanting to be a, a counselor or or whatever, where you do so much self monitoring that it's it's hard for me to kind of then play D anD D and not sort of be outside of myself, looking back and being like, oh my god, <laughs> so, <laughs> so feeling,
0: feeling self conscious and, and yeah, exactly
1: to really kind of lose yourself in that that the role playing act uh, part of it is. Something that I struggle with more. And, like you know, we, when we helped uh, Grant test his game some, you know, we did come down and do it. And, like, I had fun doing it, but still, I think, struggled with that part. Like, I was not really fully getting into my character. I was more enjoying other people, maybe some of whom have had too many drinks, uh, getting into their character. So,
0: yes, alcohol at the table is definitely something that can help games or certainly get in the way of games being effective. Right. Yeah, and, and Grant, for folks who don't follow me on Twitter or read my blog articles in the past, Grant Gould is the illustrator who designed my mascot for the, first my blog and now the, the podcast. Also, now I'm related to him because I married his cousin. He introduced us way back in, in 2000. So Grant put out a game Blade Raiders which I think is still available you can you can download it from his website purchase it and it's was kind of a simplified version of role playing games And I don't mean simplified in a bad way it was it was fun to play and we had a good time with it but that session was <laughs> it was uh, there was probably a few people who were overserved the the alcohol portion of the of the night
1: which was great for me, maybe not as good for both testing the game <laughs> or <laughs> you leading said game.
0: It is kind of interesting that you mentioned feeling comfortable just going with the game. Yep. Because um, I, I think that's not something unique to you. I think a lot of people don't really understand how D&D is supposed to work. I know one of the things that I still get asked if it comes up at work or in social settings they're like, oh, do you do you like wear a costume? How's that work? Right. Like, I think those questions are becoming less rare as D becomes a bit more accepted because of shows on television and now you can watch people play D online. But yeah, I don't know if it's really kind of hit a critical mass of people getting it.
1: Yeah, well and I get it with magic too. I mean that's you know, the people think magic is D D when they don't know anything about it. So I get the same, you know. Do you dress up for that? That's like D, right? Or, you know, people even though it's become much more mainstream, people still don't know. And also still, when they do know, have a lot of stereotypes about it. And it's interesting too, I think, like you know, we were you were talking about comparing who's the bigger nerd. And I think that part of that is all kind of tied up in this too, like my self-monitoring, my hearing myself being the person in a role playing game that's like getting into their character. It's like, even though I think most of us all sort of now celebrate or embrace being nerds in different ways, like the fact that we still have, and like, you're not the only person that I have this argument with, like I have another good friend that we've done this argument back and forth about who's the bigger nerd over time. And it's like, there's still sort of this idea of like, yeah, I'm a nerd, but I don't do that. You know, (laughs) there's always that thing that you can draw that line in the sand about or sort of feel like, okay, I mean, yeah, like, sure, it's great to be a nerd, but not not quite that nerdy to do X or to do Y. Like LARPing is a great example of one that a lot of people draw that line in the sand about
0: that. I I play role playing games, but I don't dress up like the character.
1: Right. There's this this social
0: comparison theory that. I can be a nerd, (laughs) but at least there's still somebody
1: who's more nerdy than me, which somehow makes me more acceptable. Exactly, or you know, I think a lot of people walk around with it. Well, yeah, I'm the cool nerd though. Like, yeah, I like that stuff, but I'm cool too. So, whether they want to admit it or not, like that gets tied up in some of these decisions about what you do and what you don't do and what you're willing to try and what you're not.
0: And we in in the past, I stopped doing it because I just got too anxious with it. Played fantasy football. We were in a fantasy football league and. You know, there's a ton of memes out there about fantasy football just being D D for for jocks, so to speak.
1: <laughs> I mean, all... I wish I had that Aaron Rodgers, that little short audio clip ready to go for that. Yeah, that just drop great. that just drop that in, <laughs> in post production. Yep. <laughs>
0: um, so yeah, it's just interesting and now that comic book movies have, have taken over movie theaters and so Guardians of the Galaxy will be coming out here soon. And Mm. I'm just trying to imagine a world 10 years ago where we were having a conversation and thinking like, yeah, in the future, guardians of the galaxies, everyone's going to love it. It's going to be hugely popular. And I don't think anyone would have really fathomed that.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I I mean, I, I think they would and they wouldn't like everybody has known that there's legions of people that love this stuff. It was just, it took time for, you know, those industries that have really kind of, I don't know, <laughs> slow momentum when it comes to accepting things to catch up to that and start giving people what they wanted. so, like, I don't think it would have surprised me if you had predicted that 10 years ago. But I definitely know, like, for me, just that remembering, wondering if anybody was ever going to, like, if anybody was ever going to make, like, a Wolverine movie that was any good or make one at all, you know, at different points in life. So, yeah. And you saw Logan, right? <laughs> Uh, yeah, so remember how I suggested we could talk about whether I'm still actually a nerd or not, <laughs> right? <now? laughs> I, I actually have not. It's very, very good. Yeah, I cannot wait t- to see it. I was actually just checking today to see when the Blu-ray release was. But yeah, uh, just a few too many life circumstances where I had totally meant to go and just didn't make it. I did see that they're doing the, the black and white theatrical release, though, so maybe I'll catch that
0: oh, I didn't even know they were doing that. I know they did that with Mad Max yep. for I think maybe a week or two or maybe they just did it on Blu-ray. But yeah, I, t- I would totally go see that when that comes out. One thing that I've had this conversation with, with my wife and like we watch Big Bang Theory, which I, I find it's humorous, it's enjoyable, I like the characters, but there's things on that show that annoy me. So kind of the, the joke is that all those guys are, are geeks, and Penny is the one normal one, so there was an episode from a few years ago. It was on syndication, and they uh, were talking about going to a convention, and Leonard had made a comment about dressing up as a Star Wars character, and then they piped in the audience laugh yep. after he said he was getting dressed up, and – like that was the joke and i'm thinking that's not really funny people do that like it's
1: not that <laughs> yeah. big of a
0: deal right so that show in some ways has been i think a good thing because it's maybe normalized for people of like people are into comic books and go to conventions and stuff but at the same time like you were talking about earlier in some ways it's still the butt of a joke like you're always looking down on well yeah i'm a nerd but i don't i'm not that nerdy right i don't know what what are your thoughts about that
1: well, I mean, yeah. I, I, to just full disclosure, I I don't like the show very much, as much for the previously mentioned laugh track as anything. I've definitely reached a point where something has that laugh track to it. I just I I really struggle to watch that that show. But yeah, I just to me, like it did feel like a lot of stereotypes. And while you know, I think people watch the show because. They like the characters and they enjoy it, and you know they probably you know in many cases like share interest with them and enjoy seeing like that type of character portrayed on t v like they're still like you said, they're still kind of the butt of the joke, or you know that's just you know for I don't know where they are currently like i I watched it way back when, but like that was the whole premise was like you know here's this. You know, pair of roommates that are just total nerds and then trying to kind of interact with the hot girl next door. And that's all of the humor, which, you know, it it did still kind of feel like it was like here are the the normal world people and and the really painfully nerdy people.
0: And speaking of that intersection, maybe it's a good time to talk about we went to Gen Con several years ago together. It was my first Gen Con. I think it was your first.
1: Yep. As well. and first actually, and only. Oh yeah, yeah, first and gotta only. Gotta get back.
0: For me, too. What what was what was that like for you being there?
1: I mean, I had a, a really, really good time. I do remember, and I think we talked about it, that I found it sad that as I read every uh, you know, because I was going for the first time, like, I've started to research, like, you know, what should I do? Like, what are tips and whatnot? And, then, like, everything of tips that I would read, like, one of the main things that they would illic- or be sure to point out was, like, you have to stop and take showers. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, really? Like, <laughs> that that needed to be pointed out, huh? Hmm. But, uh but yeah, no, um, I really, really enjoyed it. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a magic nerd, so I spent forever doing the various things that I could around that. But yeah, I mean, everything that I got to do was really enjoyable there. Although, per our discussion, there were like, you know, there was like the area off over there with LARPing people in it and, you know. We didn't go anywhere near that. Nor did we dress up. <laughs> there
0: was the, I think, the true dungeon that you could buy yes. tickets for, and yep. seemed to be a big to do. It looked interesting. It looked kind of neat, but yeah, that time, was something. Time that had, was a factor.
1: Yeah, and I had next to no idea what just the entire thing had really no idea how it worked going into it. So I remember like diving into the second events were available and signing up for stuff, and then getting there and realized, like. Pretty much everything that I had signed up for, I probably could have rolled in the door on you know Wednesday or whatever it started and gone and registered for it then. And like the things that we probably needed to make reservations for, we we had not done. So,
0: <laughs> and we had a lot of time to talk about those things, as we had a hotel about a twenty minute walk away from the convention center. Yes, which I enjoyed. I thought that was fun. Um, I'm sure I would have had more fun probably being right on site, but. We found I mean, cool it was a place.
1: really cool place. If we had just been not being, having to be really cheap and on a budget about it, where we had like a, you know, car service or cabs or whatever zipping us back and forth, like no problem at all. But we, we chose to, to do it on a budget and. Had and Uber make that existed walk. in
0: 2012, or Lyft, or any <laughs> of those things. <laughs> right. That, that yep. probably would have been coming real handy. Yep. Yeah, Con was pretty overwhelming. It was just so many people. And then you were doing the magic stuff. I played in some of the the D anD D events, and then we would spin through the kind of the board game area. It's mm-hmm. the first time we played Ascension, which was yep. a lot of fun. Uh, I think we played Dungeon Builder or yep. Dun- uh, Kingdom or something like Kingdom Builder. Yep, was the name of the game.
1: Uh, is it called Kingdom Builder? Or is it just called Kingdoms? I, I look at it and start to buy it, like you know, every couple months or so. <laughs> it's a pretty well-known game i think it it won like the 2000 one of the big awards for like 2011 2012 somewhere in there so and it it is
0: just at the end of the day you feel exhausted because you're you're walking and it does make sense after you've been there for a little while like oh i understand why they're telling people about hygiene yep you um you're walking around at the the vendors and all of a sudden you turn a corner and somebody is ill-prepared Let's put it it that way.
1: Yeah, you know, I don't don't have strong memories of encountering that there. I have certainly encountered it at some of my local game stores a number of times, which is unfortunate, because they don't even have the excuse of that, you know, there were 24-hour gaming events and they just lost track of time, (laughs) which is a little more understandable. I don't remember it there. Like, maybe I've just blocked that out with the years in between, but... I remember but,
0: yeah. the restrooms feeling like a war zone. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> and
0: and Brian Patterson, who I interviewed a couple weeks ago, he had a a cartoon. I can't, his webcomic had, you know, kind of a before and after Gen Con bathroom webcomic that was pretty funny. But it felt like that. It was like, mm-hmm. you know, by by late Saturday, it was pretty slim pickings for the things you needed in the restroom. Yeah. Okay. That
1: I kind of remember now.
0: Yeah, you were off playing Magic a bit, and over the years, you've tried to get me into that hobby,
1: mm-hmm.
0: including a couple weeks ago when I went with you to a store, and uh, they gave me a free a free deck of cards, and I, I played against your son, and sadly, he was in tears after I won the first <laughs> game, and then he beat me the second game, and I I was going to pretend to be in tears, but... Didn't so even though I was like (laughs) not upset, but I was like, man, I really wanted to win that one. We never played a tiebreaker. We'll have to play a tiebreaker in the future. Yeah, Um, yeah. But why? Why does Magic interest you so much over the years?
1: Um. Yeah, you know, I I think the easiest way of putting it, and I'm sure I've said this to you before, is that I mean, most basically, I just think it's one of the best strategy games ever made and more importantly because it's been around for so long it's kind of able to be whatever you want it to be like there's so many different ways to play it now that um you know you can play it in all kinds of really casual and just super fun ways and on up to playing it at a highly competitive professional level and just kind of all things in between. There's a million variants. You can play it on a budget. You can spend your entire life savings on it. Um, but uh, I, I mean I'm sure probably most people listening are somewhat familiar with it. But you know it's it's the intersection of you know the strategy amount of chess which I've never been that good at. I never tried all that hard, but with the variance and the luck um, and a little bit of the unknown and bluffing of poker, which I also enjoy. so and then I think definitely initially the the setting, the fantasy setting really appealed to me. Um, you know those settings were always huge in terms of what I wanted to read and whatnot so I, I don't think that hurt at all. Um, when I was first introduced to the game, right around the time that it came out. Subsequently, like it's really about the game. like And that's another way that like it's it can be whatever you want it to be. Like, There's people that love the whole storylines that are going on in the game as they release new sets and they write books and stuff about the storylines. And some people love all that lore and get into it and... Whatnot And people like me, I'm more on the side of, like, I appreciate, like, some of the really good art or flavor text or whatnot. But by and large, it's about the game and the mechanics and and that part of it for me at this point anyway. I don't know how well that answered your question.
0: Yeah, no, and you've tried to convince me to get into it. And I think one of my barriers for entry is similar to some other things that I haven't gotten into over the years. Because it just feels like it's hard to know where to start. Like, there's no way to catch up. Um, Magic's been out. Would it come out in the early 90s? Yeah,
1: 1993, although not that many people were even able to get their hands on it. There was so much demand for it. But by the time it actually did come out that most people really got into it in 94 when they started to be able to make a lot more of the cards and get them into people's hands.
0: And so I remember seeing those cards because 94 – I was graduating high school and one of the big things that friends and I did with we'd go cruise the mall or, you know, back when arcades still existed, like we'd go to the mall and spend, you know, hours at a time or, you know, being in New Jersey, being close to the ocean and the boardwalk, like I'd be on the boardwalk in arcades and, you know, next to an arcade that we always went to was a, what they called the surf mall. And in there they had like sports posters and, band posters but they also had action figures and cards and i just remember magic being a thing that some Mm -hmm. people were getting into it seemed like kind of a fad to me because i remember was that also around the time of pogs do you remember those things
1: (laughs) i do remember them i don't remember quite where they fit and i don't
0: remember the time frame but i just remember like oh maybe it's just like another silly thing like that and i didn't have anybody i didn't have a friend who played yep like we were in arcade games and video games and sports and stuff but like i had kind of played D D earlier in life and sort of got away from some of that stuff so i never got into it and almost like comic books like i kind of enjoyed the idea of comic books and
1: mm-hmm.
0: sort of you know would look at them from time to time but i never collected them because it was like oh x-men's on uh, issue 270 like how do i even get caught up on that right and i never went in so how, how do you try to what do you think is a good way for folks to get into to magic
1: since i know you've been playing it for years and years Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is what you just said, which is you got to have, you know, a friend or two that you want to actually play with the play. Um, And then they can usually find some way to just start learning it and and seeing if you like it or not. I mean, Magic creates products specifically for this and events like the open house that you went to and i'm trying to think what it would compare with in terms of other games like hearthstone has a standard now right they have an environment where like only you can only play certain cards
0: yeah and so that's i think that's one thing that i've been into over the last year and a half or so is hearthstone which seems to be more of a contained experience mm-hmm. there's a, a core or standard group of cards that you can play with and then i have expansions and adventures where you get cards from but starting last year, they have a standard format, which it limits which cards are eligible to be right. played. Yeah. And
1: so Magic does the same thing. Um, so even if you wanted to play sort of competitively, you know, like going to your local game store for Friday Night Magic, they mostly play standard, which is only going to use cards from the last year or two now. <laughs> Let me preface this by saying that could still be reasonably expensive to get into to try to, you know, make the most competitive decks in terms of the most popular decks. That's probably a little overblown in terms of what you bring to your local game store. Um, there's a lot of people that are sort of wannabe professionals in, in Magic that always have to have the same decks that they see people playing with at high-level tournaments. You can be very successful in a you know 10- to 15-person tournament with something that you made out of you know cards that are all worth less than a dollar. So, But that's one way to do it. The other is just being at the kitchen table with friends where kind of anything is game. And, uh, you know, just figuring out what's fair between you and the person that you want to play with, or they have various pre-constructed decks that you can each take one of and play with. There's there's a lot of different ways to do it.
0: It seems like the mechanics are certainly more complex than, than Hearthstone. I know that's been one of your critiques of me playing Hearthstone so much, is that you just find it not as engaging as as Magic, because it's more limited in terms of strategy and interaction with your opponent is that fair to say?
1: Yeah, I think so, um which again, it's all about kind of what you you want, so for a lot of people, that's perfect, and I myself find myself playing kind of one of the Hearthstone competitors out there that kind of cuts, in my mind, sort of splits the difference between Magic and, and Hearthstone in terms of some of that complexity. Or Which maybe one's that? Because I know there's so many card games there's Right. This, there. this one's called Eternal, and it's got okay. a, a, some of uh, some former Magic pros and people like that are on the development team, and so and a lot of the mechanics that it uses may go by a different name but are very reminiscent of, of Magic, so pretty easy for a magic player to to start exploring with interface is very familiar if you play hearthstone but yeah it, you know there is more simplicity in hearthstone than there is in in magic and that's that's either a pro or a con depending on how you <laughs> how you like your games and how deep you like for them to go
0: and it's one thing that's i i think a source of discussion for folks who are really into hearthstone is about the skill cap for the game Mm -hmm. and that some decks in theory are really effective and have a low skill cap. And that makes it unfun to play for professionals because it seems to water things down. I just know just from following some of the streamers and the the pros out there that the same people are doing well (laughs) every month or every season. Uh, So there's definitely skill involved in the game and practice and learning not only how to make a deck, but, when to play certain cards and sequencing and all that good stuff. But yeah, just to me, it would seem like such an investment to try to get into magic at this point in my life.
1: Yeah, but I mean, the, the, realistically, it's not. Um, but it is a slippery slope, and that if you are the kind of person that gets competitive about things, and you're not comfortable bringing. It's not exactly bringing knives to a gunfight. It's like bringing a trickier, but maybe somewhat less overall powerful gun to a gunfight. <laughs> but if you're not, if you're not comfortable, it's a
0: revolver. It self loads. Yeah,
1: <laughs> but if you're not comfortable with with that, like if you have to have all of the best cards at your disposal to feel like. Th- you're not losing an edge there. It does get expensive in a hurry because even though standard only has so many hundred cards in it at any given time, it, you know, it rotates pretty quickly. So every two years you're looking at needing completely new cards to, to keep up. So, um, it it can get expensive in a hurry, um, but the initial investment is low. And again, if you're playing at the kitchen table with just friends, there's you know a very very low potential investment. But I will say even there, like if you're a competitive person, it can very quickly turn into um, you know an arms race where like you've got to go out and get this $50 card that's going to make your deck awesome. You, suddenly you're spending $50 on what is essentially a piece of cardboard. So,
0: One thing I was thinking about is with Hearthstone, one of the appealing things is just that the convenience of it, the fact that if I have a few minutes, I can play a game on my phone. Yep. It's very um, self-contained, digestible, and then I can move on with the rest of my day. Or if I want to, I can sit down at the computer or just, you know, have my phone on and, yep. Play a few games and then turn it off. Whereas with Magic, it seems like you have to make it almost more of a priority. Like you, you talked about Friday Night Magic, which is a store will have an event, host a tournament, and you go and like that's you know a few hours of your evening on a weekend. Like it's a big commitment. It seems like.
1: Well, there is Magic Online now. <laughs> it's kind of uh, been a much maligned enterprise, and in fairness to them, there were you know, doing this I'm trying to think, I believe they started having an online version of Magic in two thousand and two or something like that. Oh, and is it so, that old? Yeah, and so trying to keep up with all of the interactions of what is now something like, you know, eight you know, sixteen, eighteen thousand unique cards is a nightmare for any developer. <laughs> well and uh, do they
0: and I think Magic keeps adding new mechanics. Yes. And, I mean, and, Hearthstone adds new mechanics as well. and
1: Right, and, and one of the reasons that this comparison is a little bit unfair in terms of Hearthstone is Hearthstone is new. And so if we were comparing 1995 Magic to current Hearthstone, they would look a lot more similar in terms of how many cards there were, level complexity, number of mechanics. But Magic's got... 20 plus years on Hearthstone and you got to keep the game fresh. And every time they do an expansion um, that generally means, uh, you know, at least a couple of new mechanics per expansion. Some of those are popular and they become what they call evergreen mechanics that they, try to keep in the game and keep bringing back and some of them will be one-offs just for that expansion and either never come back again or maybe they get revisited 10 years down the road again or or something like that but in in any case you know hearthstone may look much more like magic in terms of complexity if it's still really popular in 20 years because you got to keep the game fresh for the people that have been playing it for a while so
0: i was having this conversation with one of the game developers i interviewed uh karina of the iron tides game over email after after the interview we were talking about kind of the pros and cons of games as a service so i think magic and hearthstone fit into that category where the game exists it's existed for a long time it there's no reason to think it won't exist in five ten years it just mm-hmm. keep reinventing itself so it takes a lot of time and it's it's a game as a service where instead of something that you play and it's di- it's digestible in a short amount of time and then you move on to something else.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think just with, I'm a new father right now. Uh, my son Hugo's like about going on to four months. Time is certainly more of a commodity these days and trying to decide like some of the hobbies and interests I have of playing video games or board games or trying to fit in D and D or, you know, in the winter months, I do curling, which is a good time. So, how much room do I have for these games that really never end? Right. I don't know, have you thought about this recently, or what do you what do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think about it all the time. Uh, what was the the online game that the Ascension people did that you and I both tried out?
0: Yeah, that was like two and a half years ago. Soul Forge. We were Soul playing. Forge. Yes. Tried, thank you. We, we both tried to get on into that because at the same time we were having the conversation of hey, you should play magic. You should play D and D. Right. Or, let's try the Soulforge game.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so Soulforge is a great example of like it was a it's a perfectly good game. I think there's you know, still a lot of people that enjoy it, but you could see the way they were laying it out, they wanted it to be something that you were gonna be willing to spend quite a bit of money on if you wanted to keep up with trying to have the best cards, you know, they had something along the lines of mythic or what? what is does what does Hearthstone call that? Highest rarity? Legendary. Legendary. I think Soulforge
0: yeah. used the same
1: yeah
0: terminology yep. for their legendary
1: cards. In any case, it, it was going to be a real. You could you could try to grind it and play it for free, but unless you had you know 40 hours a week to spend on it like you they were wanting you to put some money which is understandable like they're developers that's kind of their job is sure <laughs> to create a business um but you do have to make that decision at some point both in terms of time and money like i already play x and i spend this much time and this much money on it do i really have room in my life for why and so for me in the end, my decision on that game at least was, yeah, no, I don't. <laughs> um, yeah, I
0: think we both made that decision kind of around the same time. Right. I think it was, and who knows, things that may maybe have changed where it's a little bit more uh, free-to-play friendly. Um, but somebody on Twitter made a good point to me. I was kind of just talking openly about this, and someone said something to the extent of, you know, free-to-play is only free if you have unlimited time, and time is such a
1: factor. Yeah, absolutely. I can't remember if I've had this conversation with you, but a phenomenon at my local Costco is that there, I don't know if there's like an online thing where people talk about gas prices or how these people are in the know, but they must know that because Costco doesn't change their gas prices like the – you know, the way a normal gas station just sort of arbitrarily moves them up and down based on what's going on. Like you get the same price. They just throw it. a
0: dart at a board. They can't put <laughs> a nine up there today. Sure, OK.
1: I, I think the way they work is you get the same price until that shipment runs out and then they adjust it based on what they had to pay. So it's like people know and they like go and they, they'll be lined up like out of the parking lot for what – is going to end up being what, like two or three cents a gallon. And that's just always strikes me in that situation is like, if you spend 45 minutes waiting to get gas and where you're saving two cents a gallon, like what did you really save there? Like how much was your time worth? that <laughs> that is right.
0: Yeah. I've even find it with like, I was, I was sick earlier in the, in the month and I had to stay home from work for about a week, which was highly unpleasant and it was around the same time this this mobile transformers game came out. And I was like, "Oh, okay, this will be fun. It'll fill time." And it was pretty slick the way it was designed. Like you have to level up your robots, it's do more missions, you level up your things and it's very much a Skinner box of <laughs> getting you to do these behaviors so you get rewards, your, you know, your transformers get more uh more and more life and for a few days i was like yeah this is really a lot of fun i could see me sinking a lot of time into this and then i got better and i went back to work and i haven't even
1: considered opening in that game in about a week and i don't want to (laughs) (laughs) which is a pretty good test right of whether you're it's worth your time
0: yeah and i've had i've had uh, a lot of games that have come and gone like that where it's these mobile games that are kind of easy to get into they're Mm -hmm. They're alluring in the sense of early on, you ramp up levels pretty quickly. And then, um, you know, eventually you kind of have to pay or invest a lot of time to keep leveling up. And usually that's the time where I tap out and move on to something else.
1: Right. Um,
0: And even like games like The Witcher or like all the different RPG games that Mm -hmm. back in the day I would love sinking my teeth into. I just don't have 40 to 60 hours to invest in those games. It'll take me six months to a year to, to play one game, which doesn't seem like a great use of time.
1: Yeah, well, we've discussed my phenomenon of the Grand Theft Auto games are the ones that I'm the worst about it with, which is, like, seeing the commercial and the hype and the reviews and thinking, oh, that seems awesome, and I go and get it, and I do kind of the fun stuff you can do right at the beginning and have a lot of fun and, like, start to do the missions, and then... Life gets in the way, and I don't play it for a little while. I come back to it, I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> who don't, are who are these people? <laughs> don't remember. Like I'm not as good with whatever the control system is, and I just lose interest and don't. You know, I end up putting five, ten hours into you know a game that other people get three hundred hours out of because they're able to stick with it. And you know, back in the day when I had more spare time, you know, I, I bread the golden Chocobo and and final fantasy 7 and spent...
0: I never did that that
1: never seemed alluring to me those games were long enough <laughs> yeah I know right uh, <laughs> more power to it, you at least that one time and yeah it just it, it does come down to a do you have the time b you know should you have the time are there places where your time is better spent uh, and i think most importantly just c like are you having fun doing it like if you're playing a free-to-play game and it's a total grind to get to what you need like to me like an allegory is like people having to do all of the like just grinding levels or grinding for gold or whatever and and like the online role-playing games and to me that that seems like a just it's a job at that point (laughs) you know it's you're no longer doing this for fun it's like become a job that you're getting paid for in sort of virtual currency that <laughs> may or may not have any real value to your life. So to me, like if it's free to play and you're having fun doing it and with that time investment, great. Um, but you do really have to look out for like when you've been sucked into just giving it your time without really getting back much of anything out of it, enjoyment or otherwise. Yeah. And it's something I've really been mindful of
0: this past week of just a few things happening where I'm trying to take a step back and looking at, okay, how, what am I doing with my time and why am I doing that? <laughs> and my wife even asked me, she's like, she's like, why are you doing the podcast? Cause it does, it takes a bit of time. It takes certainly on the front end scheduling time to, uh, chat with people, which I've enjoyed. And, you know, it's been great meeting folks that I've, you know, either known just, you know, from a few Twitter interactions, or maybe maybe I met them at Gen Con a few years ago or something like that. Mm-hmm. But then recording, you know, that usually takes an hour, hour and a half. And then on the back end, I do the the editing, and that usually takes another hour and a half to two hours. So it's a bit of a commitment, and I've enjoyed it. But I trying to explain it to her of, like, why am I doing this? It was hard to come up with words that made sense. <laughs> <laughs> and she would ask me the same thing about writing. Like, why do you write? articles for the blog is anyone even reading them <laughs> like, I right. <laughs>
1: um,
0: so why why do you do the things you are into when you have free time
1: yeah I mean I, I hope that I mainly do them just because I enjoy them but you know that's kind of what I was starting to talk about a little bit is that you know I do have to stay wary of the fact that I'm not just sort of doing them because they're the easy thing that's right in front of me. Like, especially with like a, a free to play game, like the eternal that I'm playing a lot right now where, you know, like, like with Hearthstone, you can kind of jump on and get some games and whenever you want, that you're not just kind of doing that because it's like the easy thing to do. You know, it's sort of my current equivalent to just turning on bad TV that you might have done, or at least I might have done like 10 years ago <laughs> instead of like something that's a little bit more creative or fulfilling or enjoyable or whatever. Right. So I think, yeah, like you, I just – I do try to stay mindful of like am I – having fun right now and if i'm not like let's go do something else and sometimes you know maybe it is just like life is stressful and this is brainless and i just kind of need it to like to be that thing where like you know i'm just kind of not having to think about anything else i mean that's definitely part of what's appealed to magic about magic for me is like when you go and play and try to play well like you really got to be like in the moment and focus and you don't tend to think about other things that you're, you're worried about or whatnot. So, you know, it can have that effect too, which is, which is valid. Like even if it's maybe not as fun that day because you're not winning as much or, you know, you're kind of grinding out, getting the chests that you need to try to get the new cards that you want or whatever. But yeah, just really trying to be mindful of like, (laughs) am I actually having fun with this? Um, You know, to, to me, a lot of things that you're talking about are a little bit more of a creative endeavor, right? Writing or, you know, even doing a podcast and, and whatnot, which to me like has its own inherent value. Like I, when I'm doing creative things, like I, you know, tend to be enjoying them. And as long as you're enjoying those things, like and whether there's an audience of two or 500, like that's that's worthwhile in and of itself. But. You know, I think w- when you have to stop and ask yourself, it's like if you are trying to you're trying to do something right, you're trying to like make a, a blog or whatever that a lot of people care about. And if that's your goal and you're grinding away at it and you're not having fun, like, is that still worth it at that point?
0: Right. And you're one of your creative outlets is the music yep. stuff, which we haven't talked about, but you
1: do um, a lot of. DJ and I guess a lot would be the best of dabbling, word. basically. The dabbling, but, yeah. <laughs> but DJing is one of them. Yeah,
0: you have a few house parties each year. Well, maybe not that frequently, but you try to.
1: Um, yeah, we we did well for a while there, having a couple per year. It's it's slowed down as of late, but that's really more because my life got a lot busier and more complicated with going back to school and everything. So hopefully that'll resume soon here.
0: And, and something that has also been on my mind as it comes to to time management and, and you can probably, you have given me direct feedback on this in the past and I'll open the door for you to give it to me again. (laughs) Um, But I think with, with social media, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch for folks who are playing games, it seems like everything has an audience now Mm -hmm. or it can be geared or structured to have an audience. And it, it feels to me like I've lost the art of just doing something on my own or with the group of people I'm with rather than like, oh, let me take a picture of this board game I'm playing and tweet about it. And right. you'll tell me like, dude, get off your phone. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and you've said that to me for years and I continue to fall prey to, well, oh, but it will just be fun to post this. And I don't, and I was having, again, kind of having this conversation with my wife, over this weekend of she's just like, why do you do that? And I said, I don't really know. And I don't know. You've known me for quite a while. So what, what's your observation? You can analyze me for a bit.
1: Well, I mean, I, I, it's not really so much about you. It's just kind of about everybody. Like social media is the huge revolution of our time right now. You know, it's to me, it's just like when, TV first came, well, like when TV first got popular and everyone had a TV and like parents were kind of letting TV be the babysitter and not really thinking about that, what that meant. And people would consume, you know, just ridiculous, like 30 plus hours of TV a week. And like, that was normal. And, you know, it was kind of the big thing. And then you start to have realizations about the pros and cons of it and where it's good and where it's bad and you adjust. Right. And that's the process that we're talking about here is like I was thinking about when you're talking about it, there's, there's supposed to be some psychology in this too, right? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) There's the Adlerian idea of of spitting in someone's soup that as soon as you kind of point out that behavior thing to them, that then it starts to bother them. You know, if it's something that they really need to change. So just the fact that you're thinking about it is probably, causing you to change that behavior a little bit that you're realizing like, Hey, cause everybody does it. I was just complaining about it to my wife the other day of just still the amount of stuff that comes across my social media feed that it's like people just kind of post without thinking. Like we all are dealing with kind of the same things. Like, you don't really need to comment about the weather on social media to me. Like, it's bad enough to have that conversation in, in the elevator. Like, I don't really need it. But people do because they sort of feel compelled to sort of, I think it's a little bit like just that sort of ego or like, you know, I'm important feeling that we all have that you kind of feel like you got to keep putting stuff out there that sometimes you, you put things out there that really other people don't need to read or don't really care about (laughs) and that's something we're all having to figure out on the fly here is kind of where that line is like what's interesting what's keeping connected with people through this really cool idea of social media in a meaningful way and what is noise and what is unnecessary what drives people away um you know i'm go on more than my fair share of political rants, which are probably highly unproductive to do on social media. But some days I can't help myself. So it's, you know, it's a process for all of us.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's something I'm, like you said, being mindful of and trying to pick and choose my spots. And it reminds me of we're old enough to remember a world without email. Yep. And, and then email showed up and I was like, oh, this is a interesting way to do new things and stay in touch with people. And it was like, oh, this is funny. I'm going to forward it to everybody. And (laughs) that quickly became, all right, you don't need to forward everything to everybody. And then you eventually have like one family member who just like till to this, maybe this day, just still forwards you stuff. Um, Now that's kind of like the Facebook thing. There's people will forward news stories of
1: questionable reliability <laughs> right well a little bit we're talking about age here because i think like as time went by the people that would still do that with emails is like oh grandpa got a computer <laughs> and like that's kind of facebook now right like if yeah. you talk to like, I, you know because i'm i'm training to work with kids in schools like you talk to high school kids like nobody's on facebook i mean they also have a profile and they check in occasionally but that's like so far down there their chain of like what they pay attention to on social media. So you have the same thing. Like now grandpa's on Facebook and,
0: (laughs) and now like the old folks like us, like we're on Twitter and we're like, yeah, Twitter is cool. And everyone's like, yeah, we're on Snapchat and this other stuff that, you know, Twitter's probably fading out in some ways too. Yeah. It's just kind of interesting taking a bigger picture, look at, I mean, for me, like my own behavior, but then how that feeds into just what's going on, maybe in a bigger picture. And you've certainly been one to give me direct feedback over the years. so.
1: Yeah, I just like to give you crap about putting <laughs> your phone down. But I mean, it's again, like uh, phones, too, are just another one of those huge revolutions that you have this. It's Buck Rogers, right? It's like stuff that we dreamed about when you're kids. You have what would have been considered a supercomputer in your hand that's connected theoretically to everybody else in the world. Like what to do with that is not <laughs> the easiest question. And like you walk into a bar now and you look around and like everybody's faces is lit up like you're in a bar with other people and like you're all on your phones. Like put them down and – You know, I I'm sure it's changing already um, from like when it was at its worst when, you know, the iPhone had recently come out and everybody had to have one. Mm -hmm. But it's you know, it's again, it's just as a society like you figure that out and you react to it and the pendulum swings back and people aren't as ridiculous about it. And the next thing comes along that we're all ridiculous about, you know, virtual reality or whatever that's going to be.
0: Right. And I can't, I wish I could remember to give credit to him, but I don't know if it was somebody on Facebook or Twitter or somewhere along the way. It was maybe a year or so ago. They wrote a post that was like, you know, I'm at a, I'm at a coffee house and there's some guy in the quarter drinking coffee by himself and he's not on a phone like a psychopath. <laughs> right. <laughs> What's his agenda? <laughs> uh, but yeah, just waiting in line anywhere. It's just like, oh, let me pull out my phone and do nothing. It's... Yeah, it's just a, It becomes a bit of a bad
1: habit. Yeah, I mean it's, it's also great, right? I, I like we I I've recently bad ADHD. Like standing there in a line is painful for me. So having something that I can distract myself with when I'm doing that is great. But then you have, you just have to be sure that when it's you know you're out at a bar ostensibly to interact with your friends or meet someone or whatever reason you're there for that like your face on the phone is not the best way to do that even if it means you're swiping left and right on who's on tender at that moment or whatever it is you're doing on there
0: right yeah i think i think there's certainly been times in the past where trying to stay connected to this imaginary social audience yep has taken me away from being present with the folks i'm actually with and that that's certainly something that i want to change uh, and work on going forward
1: yeah well it's like the Have you ever gone on a trip that was, like, pretty miserable but looked awesome from the pictures that you took? (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm thinking yes. Yeah, that's probably happened. That's kind of social media for life, right? Like, you start thinking in that way and, like, you know, capturing those moments and, like, putting them out there. Some people more uh, purposefully than others. Like, you know, some people very much build this sort of very – uh, artificial, cultivated image. Yeah, of who they are and what they are. But we're all doing it on on some level, or like processing. Once you start thinking in that way, of you're projecting an image out to the world of like, oh, this is really cool. Like, I want to, I want to show everybody this. But as you said, you have to look out for when your mindset is always there instead of like, actually enjoying that thing. Right now, I think like the one of the best examples for me is like people doing that a concert, like you go to see, you know, somebody that you really like. You've paid a lot of money for the ticket and then you're standing there trying to capture the whole thing on your phone instead of just like putting it away and enjoying it, which, again, we'll get there. Like people realize how dumb they're being, but (laughs) right Right. now, (laughs) everybody at a show has their phone out it's like really that's, that's i, I called myself i'm here to watch that. the show through your little phone instead of like right. actually enjoying it okay
0: and i've done that in the past where even we went to see slash yep. about a year and a half ago and we were right over the stage it was like this small venue and we were up on the kind of this catwalk area and i felt like if you had leaned over to grab me i could have reached down and grabbed his hat which we were mm-hmm. pretty close. And I remember, um, I was like, oh, I just want to get a video of this. And I took a video of him. I think it was Rocket Queen. They were playing, and it went on for twenty some minutes. And I actually <laughs> took the whole video, <laughs> right? And because I didn't realize just how ridiculous the solo was going to be. Yeah. But and then, I, by that point, I just felt pot committed. I was like, Well, now, I, now, <laughs> just now, in principle, I'm just going to have this whole video, and I still have it. But I've never watched it. Right. Like I should have just sat there. And taking it in, which I was kind of I did, but it just it seems so silly to do what you're talking about, like kind of miss out on the experience to tape it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's the line we all have to because like most shows like I'd want to take a few pictures or I might share out like a short video just because I'm there. And I kind of want to share that with people and like talk, like talking with other people about music is like one of the things that I really enjoy on social media. But then like if you've got your phone out the whole time and trying to get that perfect shot or you're trying to live broadcast the whole thing and where you're kind of watching the whole thing through your phone, like I definitely feel like you've uh, seriously detracted from that experience for yourself.
0: It was hurtful that your son told me that I'm –
1: I don't like good music. <laughs> <laughs> he only did that because I had been joking, kidding about it a minute before. <laughs> I know, but he doesn't know that. <laughs> uh,
0: that. We might have to expand on that another time. But,
1: right.
0: Uh, that's that's also an ongoing joke is that you're a music snob and I don't like good music. Right, because I like giving you
1: crap more than anything. So,
0: Yeah. Well I appreciate you joining me here for this uh, hour or so. Um, If folks wanted to have uh you know thoughts about some of the topics we talked about today what what would be the best way for them to engage with you socially when uh, you actually are paying attention to the <laughs>
1: you know, social media uh yeah i mean i really should should try to engage more on twitter uh, which was actually founded around my my little nerdy card business so that might be a good place to start and I am Geek Zynga on on Twitter, so you can certainly look me up there and, and interact and whatnot. And how does one spell that? Speaking of, you know, I, I said that I didn't like the show, but it was stolen from the idea of Buzzinga, so it's just merging Geek and Zynga, Z I N G A.
0: I never knew that. Yep. I've never I guess I've never asked you about that. That's
1: Yeah, no, I did a little little crowd polling of like what are some ideas for what i should name a store of nerdy stuff and that was one of the the ideas that came out of that and was good enough for me
0: and do you still have stuff up in the store right now
1: yeah i do uh I, again very It it has not been given the love and attention that it really needs i hope that over the summer i will have time to revisit that we shall see, but uh, I my, my, was supposed to be doing records on there, which is another one of my interests for years and have never gotten to it, so we'll see.
0: Excellent. Well, uh, good luck with your future endeavors, and then we'll have to uh, find a time when we can get babysitters or something to to meet up for a beverage or something.
1: Yeah, does Gen Con have, like, a daycare service yet?
0: There's a $1,000 idea.
1: You
0: know. <laughs> I don't know, man. They they barely have enough hotel rooms for all the people that are trying to get there in the first place. I don't know about mixing kids into the equation. Um, yeah.
1: Well, they have the whole kids' day, too, but it's all, only kind of one day or so.
0: Yeah, it would be fun to get back there, although I don't even think they're doing – I think D&D pulled out of the convention this year, which is kind of interesting.
1: Yeah, probably a whole other conversation for a different day, but they may be getting a little big and have to figure out what to do about that. Well, good luck in the future.
0: Uh, I'm sure we'll be chatting online and and offline as well. Yeah, thanks for having me. I hope,
1: uh, hope somebody finds it interesting. Yeah, sure. Have a good night. Yeah.